morning, Eastside family. It is so awesome to be with you here today. I mean, I hope everybody's enjoyed their summer. I know that I sure have enjoyed my summer. I know it's been a while since I was actually here to share a message. I was here last week for those of you that uh, uh, came back a little bit early and were around, but uh, I missed every one of you uh, so much. Well, like I said, I actually uh, missed you and my dog. And so we've had a reunion. Life is good. Actually, my dog has stuck to me like glue since I've been home. But I want to share with you just a moment of word that the Lord put in my heart, a scripture actually, as I was preparing this week that I just feel like is for us as a congregation that is not necessarily connected to this word, but I feel like it will encourage some people and give some people hope. And it's in Micah 7.8. It's a very interesting scripture, but the Bible says, don't gloat over me, my enemies, for though I fall, I will rise again. Though I sit in darkness, the Lord will be my light. And I believe this today, that there are people that are here today, some of you that are here that have kind of felt like for a season in places and in moments right now that your enemy is kind of gloating over you, kind of mocking you, kind of looking down upon you. You feel like maybe you haven't been as victorious in some areas, but I hear here today to tell you that God is with you, that God is sitting with you, that God is your light, that God is going to give you victory because as a mighty person of God, you are rising again and you will rise again. I believe this today, that gets a new season for each and every one of us. For those of you that were not here last Sunday, I want to very much encourage you to go listen to the whole service. It was a very powerful service, but there were some words that were given. I believe that as Eastside City Church, that we are entering today a new era, a new era, a new season, a new place, that the words that God has spoken over us, God is in the process of fulfilling them. Can I hear an amen for that? So I believe today God wants to encourage you and strengthen you. Uh, I'm excited about this next Saturday as Peter shared in the announcements. The only thing that was mentioned that some of you, this is kind of the carrot that's there, uh, the, the Let Us Worship event next Saturday from 12 to 6 is going to feature Sean Foyt is going to be coming to Calgary, which is a very significant thing. He's very uh, well known as a a worship leader. He uh, brings people and cities together. And I believe that God has some things that he wants to do in Calgary, and he wants to bring our city to a place of greater unity. So I want to encourage you, if you're not doing anything, that you would come and be a part of that. And if you want more information, you can go to our website. As well, our kingdom builders, we are actually having a special guest that I wasn't able to confirm before the announcements were done this week, but we're having Alan Huntsberger come and speak to all of our business people or those who like business. Now, Alan Huntsberger is the founder of Christian Radio in Canada. Shine FM is his brainchild, for those of you that listen to that. He also founded uh, Heritage Christian Academy in, in the city. Uh, but he's a very unique individual that has a great perspective on how we can bring kingdom into business. And that'll be September 15th at the Porta Call. It's a $20 to come and be a part. Space is limited. So I want to encourage you, if you are a business person or business-minded, you want to be there. Amen? Well, like I said, I had a great summer. I hope you've had a great summer. I know it's sometimes hard to think that summer might be dissipating a little bit as we come into that 
transition between summer and fall. I know for, for kids, it can be that, oh, no, we've got to go back to school. For parents, it's like, yay, our kids are going back to school. And I'm believing, I'm believing that we're actually going to have a lengthier, nice fall here uh, and that God is just going to continue to bless us. But I want to t- today to continue or to conclude the series that, uh, that our team did such a great job of sharing called the IMs. Uh, we had uh, so many different pastors, leaders, lay pastors that shared the word of the Lord. I think they did a great job. But I, I felt the Lord uh, put in my heart just to kind of wrap everything up today on the I Am series. And I want to start out by just even sharing with you that as we were traveling, as we were visiting family, and I, I got to uh, be with some family that I hadn't seen for some of them for almost like 10 years plus. Uh, we got to spend time with them. It was great. But as we were traveling, I began to reflect on the trips that I had done with my family over the years. Now, those, the, the, this vacation time has always been an incredibly special time for our family because it allows us to, you know, take a break from our busy schedule and spend time talking and even playing together. And it's a place where Jan and I have always with our kids, they know this, that we would shut off our church responsibilities, loved you, prayed for you, didn't talk about you a lot, but we'd shut off our church responsibilities and focus on just being together, doing things together, connecting together. And over the years, I remember as we traveled, because to go to visit my family, it's at least a 12-hour drive, sometimes 14, sometimes 15. We had a lot of time in the car. And so as we would drive, there would be questions. There would be things that our, our kids would ask us, things that they would say. And I, like, like this question, I got a few that I just remembered. I, I just, it was like, so dad, what kind of video games did you play in the car when you were a kid? Now, I'm going to take it back a little bit. They didn't have iPhones yet. They had a Nintendo DS. Hey, good game system. And so I took their DSs away from them, and I kept driving. And after about 15 minutes, my kids were like, Dad, uh, why'd you take our DSs? Well, I wanted you to know what it was like when I was a kid. We did what you're doing right now, nothing. Well, almost nothing, unless you count uh, playing slug bug where you hit your sister every time you saw a Volkswagen Beetle, for those of you who remember it. Now, some questions that were asked could be a little bit more uncomfortable, like as we were pulling into the parking lot of Disneyland, Dad, this is my son, why do you have two moms and dads? Now, in my mind, I thought this was supposed to be the happiest place on earth. But obviously, he just had some thoughts, and we would talk about these things and uh, uh, go over these things. Some questions, though, would be challenging, like, who is God, or what does God look like? And what does his voice sound like? I remember that, like, Dad, what does the voice of God sound like? Both my kids asked us that. Those were fun conversations, challenging conversations, but fun conversations, Today, as we conclude our series, the I Am series, is that not really the question, who is God? What does he look like? And is Jesus for real? And how do we know Jesus? And how can we 
really know him in such a way that we can describe him to people when we've actually never physically seen him. It was the question that Moses had when God called him out in the desert from the burning bush. I have this funny thought, if you remember that story where Moses is herding sheep and his father's sheep and he's out in the desert and all of a sudden there's a a voice that calls out, hey Moses, come over here. And he sees this bush, it's on fire, it's it's burning, but it's not really being burnt. Now, I, I just picture the voice saying, I know this seems weird, Moses, but take off your shoes because this is the holy God speaking to you and I have an assignment for you. I want you to go to Pharaoh in Egypt and tell him that he needs to let my people go. With fear and trembling, Moses then asked, how will I convince the people of Israel, let alone Pharaoh, that I'm their leader? Or who do I tell him sent me to say this message? I love the response that God has here in Exodus chapter 3, verses 14 and 15. And God replied to Moses, and this is what he said, I am who I am. Say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say this to the people of Israel, Yahweh, the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my eternal name, my name to remember for all generations. Now, my first question, if I was Moses, would not have been, what do you want me to say to you? But why is this bush talking to me? I guess for Moses, this must not have been strange or something. But wisely, Moses asks, who should I say sent me? God, who do I tell him? How do I describe who's sending me to, first of all, to your people, but secondly, to Pharaoh? And God says, tell him that I am sent you. Well, what does it mean that I am sent you? What it means is we have to understand this. As he was talking to them, as he went before Pharaoh, what God was really describing to Moses, he said to them, I want, it means that the God above all gods is coming to deliver you. I am the greatest. There is none above me. Those Egyptian deities that you see all around you have zero power when it comes to competing with me. Do not look to the right or to the left, as the one true God is here to rescue you. You see, we have to remember this was important because the Egyptians had a myriad of, of gods that they, that they worshipped. They were masters over the dark powers and the most powerful nation in that time on the earth. And because Israel had been under their influence for over 400 years, They needed to be reminded that Jehovah was not just another God, not just one of the many gods in the collection, but the God, the God of the universe. You see, the 12 plagues were actually not just random miracles, as we see how God delivered Israel, but were targeted defeats of the most powerful gods in Egypt. Not only was it important for God to free the Israelites from Egyptian rule, but he needed to break the Egyptian, the power of the Egyptian influence by showing a supremacy over the nations and their spiritual powers. 
had to be a change in how they saw him, Jehovah. Come on, there is no God like Jehovah. Do you believe that today? That there is no God like Jehovah. But here's what I have to say today. Isn't this the challenge for us, how we see God? You see, how we see God is how we will relate to God. How you understand God is how you will serve God. Now, my mom, uh, who I got to visit on our holidays, my mom's father was a self-made businessman. And because he was a hard worker his whole life, he volunteered for different organizations in his retirement. Now, one of the good jobs that my grandfather did in his retirement was he delivered blood for the Red Cross. He would take it from our community. I grew up in Longview, Washington. It was about 45 minutes north of Portland, and he would drive it to Portland to the bigger hospitals where they would collect it and take care of it. And what made the job fun for him was not that he just got to do this very important task, but the, the, the gentleman who ran the, the, uh, the, the Portland chapter of the Red Cross uh, was somebody else who loved the Oregon Ducks, a college my grandfather attended and followed passionately. But also he related to this guy because of his name. His name was Newt, the same name as my Norwegian grandfather. They both had the same name, not a common name. Now, one of the things that I remember, because I got to do a few of these trips with my grandfather, is I got to meet not only his friend Newt, but Newt's family. And I just have to say this, I still remember uh, Red Cross Newt's mother. Her name was Mary, and she was a complete gem who thought the world of her husband. Come on, we're going total Norwegian here. His name was Ole. Come on, you can't get too much more than that. And if you talk to Mary, Ole was the greatest human being who ever lived. He could do anything. You could ask her, and I remember her, her, her son would kind of joke with us, get, get to do this, listen to this with my mom. He'd go, Mary, who's the most handsome man in the world? And she would kind of smile and say, oh, easy, my Oli. Okay, that was, that's an, an easy one. Then she'd say, he'd say, Mary, who's the strongest man in the world? Easy again, she would say, my Oli. Mary, who's the fastest runner in the world? Now, he's a grandfather now. She smiled slyly. Now you're being silly. She says, of course, it's my Oli. What was crazy, it did not matter what you said to her. Her husband was the greatest at everything he ever did. From all accounts, I guess they had a great marriage. I don't know. Now, it didn't matter that he was actually, here's the truth, he was actually short, chubby, and almost blind. In her mind, the way she saw him, he was the greatest man that ever lived. You see, how we see people impacts how we will relate to them. I love the passage of Scripture in the Bible where it says, if you 
receive a prophet in the name of a prophet, you'll receive what? A prophet's reward. Why? What, what, is, what is the Bible really saying? Well, it's saying if you see somebody in a certain position, you see them, how God has called them, you see them in what they're doing, you, you're, you're, you don't see their flaws in there, but you receive whatever that position brings to them because there's an honor that's bestowed. You see, in the context of our series here, how we see Jesus impacts the way that we relate to Jesus. Was he just a man? Or was he the son of the living God? God himself in the flesh. And in order to help us understand his greatness, Jesus went on in the scriptures, in the book of John, as you have listened to describe himself with these emphatic declarations or these I am statements. He said, I am the bread of life. You know, to people that were starving, to people that were struggling for food, that would have been pretty significant. Look, you're the, you're the source of, for, for me, for my, my hunger pains. I am the light of the world. For those who are walking around where there was lots of darkness, to understand when there was light, when there was light that Jesus could light up any dark place, it was a powerful thing. How about I'm the good shepherd? I'm sure they knew some bad shepherds. Shepherds that didn't treat their sheep very well. They'd watched it, and they also knew what a good shepherd was. And so when Jesus said, I am the good shepherd, they understood that he was saying, look, I'm somebody that will be kind to you and take care of you and look after you. I'm the resurrection and the life. Oh, I, I, nothing can keep me down. You can trust in me because I'm above anything that can defeat us or take us down. I am your life. As we heard last week, I'm the vine. That if we stay connected, if we stay connected to Jesus, we will discover he is the source of everything we need. But we have to maintain that relationship. And you see, because his audience was agriculturally focused or agrarian, these symbols would have been incredibly impactful to them. Now, I believe these words are still cool and impactful. And, and I love that we had people that unpacked these for us. But I, I thought about to myself, well, how might Jesus describe himself today? If he was coming to earth and in this moment, and he was trying to help us see him and understand who he is, what might he say about himself? So I took my liberties here. I, I believe Jesus might have said to him to us today, he goes, that I, I'm the good boss. I encourage you and challenge you for your benefit. I want to help you grow. I want to see you well taken care of. How about this? I'm unlimited groceries. Who here has maybe faced some times and some seasons here where you haven't always had as much as you would like? You've, you've been without a few things. And here is Jesus, I believe he's saying, I have an endless supply of food and sustenance for those who trust in me. I like this, I am the full meal deal. <laughs> well, what does that mean? Well, I will fulfill those. I will take care of those. I will completely satisfy those who feast on me and my word with all that you need spiritually, emotionally, relationally. I'm the full measure of everything that you could imagine. 
My computer people are going to like this. I-M-D-I. Well, what is that? Divine intelligence. Therefore, I am the answer to all of life's questions. Another computer thing, I'm the great firewall. I will protect you from things you see as well as things you do not see. You see, these are meant to help us understand the the nature, the role of who Jesus is and who he is in our lives. You see, our view of Jesus is as important as what Jesus says about himself. So here's what my question today is. This is what I want to focus on for the last part of my message with you today is, who do you say Jesus is? Or how do you see Jesus? You see, he can give us all of these great descriptions. He can tell us all of these wonderful things about himself. But what is important is how do we see him? How do we relate to him? What do we believe about him? And when the rubber meets the road in our life, what is it that we actually, actually believe? Because that's how we're going to receive him and receive what he's given for us is by how we relate to him. We see in the book of Matthew, as Jesus entered entered the region of Caesarea, Philippi, he had a question, this question for his disciples. He said, it says, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea, Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that I am? Say that the son of man is. Well, they replied, some say John the Baptist. Some say Elijah. And others say Jeremiah or, other, or one of the other prophets. He then asked them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, you are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. I love this story. I I, I love this encounter that Jesus has with his, his followers, his disciples. These are men that had been with him. We don't know how long at this stage, but I believe they'd been with him for probably at least a year or more. And they traveled around with him. They had watched him teach and pray for people and minister to people and and do miracles for people. And so as he's talking to them, he, he has this question because I believe he really wants to say, do you really understand who I am in your life? And so he asks, first of all, he says, who do, who do people say that I am? What, what, what's the rumors out there? What, what, what do people think? And so they say, well, some say that you're John the Baptist, Elijah, some of these great prophets. And then he says, well, who do you say I am? Or how do you see me? So here's my question today is how do you see Jesus? How do you see Jesus when all of a sudden you face the loss of a job? How do you see Jesus when you're faced with life-threatening health news? How do you see Jesus when there's chaos and difficulties around you? How do you see Jesus? How is Jesus? Who is your Jesus? You see, we all can 
talk to each other and we all can share that, well, I, I believe in Jesus, but what Jesus do you believe in? That's what my question is today. And there, there's a lot of different Jesuses that people have established. Some believe in good teacher Jesus. <laughs> well, who's good teacher Jesus? Well, good teacher Jesus is, a, is, is, is somebody that has, he was a man who had some great teaching. In fact, some of them were revolutionary. But he was one of many great teachers, prophets and leaders. We see this in society that there are people now that will acknowledge that Jesus was somebody who lived on the earth. They will acknowledge that, that he had some really good ideas, but what they cannot accept, what they will not accept, is that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. That he is the Son of God. How about accommodating nice guy, Jesus? Well, what do I mean by that? Well, there, there are some that view Jesus as like, you know what, he just, it doesn't matter how I live. It doesn't matter what I do. It doesn't matter the things that, that, that I participate in. Jesus is cool with it. Why? Because Jesus is just love and Jesus is love. But Jesus doesn't want us to stay in our struggles in our past life. Jesus wants to help pull us out. He wants to take us from where we have been or where we're at to someplace even better, even greater. He wants us to call sin, sin. And what is wrong is wrong. You see, he loves us, but, but some people just relate like, it doesn't matter, it doesn't matter. I can do whatever I want. And, and, and I just, I've got my fire insurance and it's not gonna have an impact. I'll say this, that you, 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 you very well could be somebody that, that goes to heaven, but it doesn't mean that you are going to have blessing in your life. Some people relate to Jesus as I call him lifeguard Jesus. They don't think about Jesus until there's an emergency. Prayer is like a bat signal. Oh my goodness, there's a crisis in my life right now. Jesus, I'm hoping, please help me, help me, help me, help me. Oh, if you come and help me right now. Now, don't tell me you've never prayed this. Or if you come and help me, Jesus, I will serve you. I will do whatever you say. Just get me out of this situation. And the problem is, the warranty expires once the crisis. Oh, hey, that was good. Thank you. Good talk, God. Thank you. And it doesn't go back again until there's a crisis. See, Jesus doesn't want to just be our lifeguard, even though he is our lifeguard, even though he wants us to reach out to him, even though he says, call unto me and I will answer you. But what Jesus is looking for is people that will have relationship with him, that will walk with him each and every day, that he can actually maybe help keep them from difficulties and situations that come up. There are some that I know that I call have a Jesus is what we call a strange brother Jesus. I probably shouldn't have used brother. I could have used uncle. Maybe you have a member of your family that nobody likes to talk about. You know, they're a little different. They do funny things. They, they say funny things. And you may have somebody that you know that's like that. Well, we just don't, 
you know, what about Uncle Willie? We don't talk about him. But some people live their life that, you know, I, I, I have a relationship with Jesus, but we can't talk about it. Because it might make people uncomfortable. So we live our lives like Jesus isn't really there. We don't want anybody to find out that we might actually love Jesus, that he's important to us in our life. Craig Rochelle wrote a book called, it's one of my favorite books, called The Christian Atheist. And his whole premise of the book was that in society we have many people that say that they're followers of Jesus, but nobody would know it based on anything that they do in their life. I believe this, that when we love somebody, we should show that we love them. It should be something that people can see that comes out of our lives, out of our spirit, who we are. Here's my last one, and I know I could come up with more. I know that nobody here has any of these types of Jesus, or, but maybe there's somebody here that maybe has what we call the Simon Cowell Jesus. You've lived your life, and if you're going to be accepted, you've got to be a great performer. You've got to get everything right, and if you somehow you, you step out of line, somehow you, you, you don't do things the way that they should be, you think that Jesus has this bat. You're not very good. You're not good enough. You're not measuring up. You're not living properly. You've got to be perfect or else you won't be moving on. You see, all of these Jesuses aren't the real Jesus. But if this is how you see Jesus, it will be real to you. So my question to you today is, how do you see Jesus? Is he the bread of life? Is he the good boss? Is he your healer? Is he your provider today? Is he your peace? Is he your comforter? Who is Jesus to you? I believe this. Does Jesus the one, is he the one who directs your path? Is he the one who leads you into all situations? Who is Jesus to you? I'm going to finish with this story. As a parent, it's hard to relax sometimes and trust God, if we're being honest, especially when it comes to our kids. <laughs> and especially when they live a long ways away, which I'm now discovering. I couldn't believe it last year when our son told us that, you know what, I, I, I'm going to, I feel like I'm supposed to go play baseball at a college in New Hampshire. We said, excuse me, did you, did you stutter? Did you, you weren't saying like New Brighton in Calgary or something. You were saying New Hampshire? Son, New Hampshire's over 4,000 kilometers away. And what made it really strange for us as 
parents was he's our homebody. He was our kid that, man, he, he came home. He would talk with us. He'd hang out. When we did stuff, he was always home with us. He didn't really get excited about travel. Now our daughter, she loves to travel. She could live out of a suitcase. And I love that about her. She's always up for an adventure. But Isaac was pretty much, you know, I don't really like driving a whole lot. Dad, if you want to drive me for the rest of my life, it would be great. It would be awesome. And here was now our, our homebody kid was heading to an area where we didn't even know anyone in the area. I mean, I was like, son, we know people all over Canada and the United States. Are you sure you couldn't pick a school like over here? Because then I could keep track of you. I remember after we settled him into his dorm and we were heading back to Boston, we both asked, did we just make the worst decision of our life? Have we left our son in the city of Sodom? You see, these were our thoughts as he was attending and living at a public institution where anything and everything was permissible. I mean, I remember walking into the dorms and I was like, whoa, okay. Oh, Lord, what are you doing here, God? Help us. But after a couple weeks of being there, we discovered he was not only a starting outfielder on his baseball team, but he was thriving in his schoolwork with his coaches, with his teammates, but most importantly, with God. We are having great conversations when he'd call us. He'd talk about what was doing. I remember that even during meal, meal times, both the, all of the teams would get together in the, the lunchroom and they'd have all these crazy conversations, even to the place where people were asking, who is God? Why should we believe in God? Hey, hey, Isaac, you're a Christian. Tell us why you're a Christian. I couldn't believe it. I should have believed it, but I couldn't believe it. It would have been great to say that the whole year, though, was just that easy and was a breeze, but there were challenges with academics. Kids have it. Sports failures and injuries and all the things that go with that, as well as some homesickness. And when we picked him up in the spring, we weren't 100% sure he would go back. We were like, okay, that's all right, but if he decides to stay home, we'll, we'll, be, we'll be good with that. But halfway through the summer, I remember he came to me and he said, I don't know exactly why, but I feel it's important to go back to school in New Hampshire. And he said this, he goes, I think God has me there for a reason. I just don't know what it is yet. <laughs> How do you argue with that as a parent? Fast forward to this week, since he made the decision to return to college in New Hampshire, our son is been selected to be one of the captains of the baseball team. And to become a resident assistant or an RA for those of who, you who know college terminology. What was cool about this that was that he initially wasn't selected to be an RA, but after deciding he, he was to go back, after he made that decision, I feel like this is where I'm supposed to go. A few days later, this position opened. I want to say it to tell you it meant free room and board. <laughs> Tens of thousands of dollars. Come on. 
But here's something that we didn't know was going to happen. After being in school for two weeks, Isaac discovered this. Listen to this, folks. Do you believe that God takes care of your children? Do you believe that God takes care of you? Who is your Jesus? Because he discovered out of the eight young men that were RAs, seven of them are Christians. This is at a public university. This is not at Jehovah Jireh College of... And what was interesting is each one of them had a a story about God opening a door for them because at least five of them were not initially selected to be RAs. Somebody else stepped out and God opened the door and all of a sudden, here they were. And then this week, normally when he calls us, he didn't call us. And it was now one in the morning, two in the morning. We're just like, okay, he's in school, but we're kind of wondering. And all of a sudden he sends, he goes, dad, I'm sorry, I'm in the middle of something. All I can tell you is God is moving in New Hampshire. That night, five of them spent four hours talking about their faith, praying for each other, and planning how they could reach their teammates and classmates with the love of Jesus. Jesus is the good shepherd. Jesus is here for each and every one of us. He orders our steps when we put our trust in him. But here's my question. Who do you say that Jesus is? Today, who is Jesus for you? And I believe that as I'm sharing this, I know that as we're in church, it's so easy to go, yes, I I, I go to church. I, I, I believe in God. I know it's the right answer. But if you really were to search your heart, you would recognize that there are some areas where you're not quite sure if Jesus is who he really says he is to you. Maybe you feel like Jesus has abandoned you. Maybe you feel like Jesus doesn't care about what's going on in your world right now. Who is Jesus to you? Is he your provider? Is he your healer? See, I believe for many here today that your Jesus is just a a little bit too small. And what God wants to do in your life today is he wants to give you a reminder of how big he is. That whatever it is that you're experiencing, whatever it is that you're facing, Jesus is bigger. And Jesus has great plans. And Jesus sees things and knows things about your life that you can't see right now. And if you're going through darkness, you're sitting in some darkness... He is the light. He will light your path. I believe today for some of you, Jesus has been where you thought that somehow he's a bit cruel or unkind because he's allowed you to experience some hardship, heartache. 
He's allowed you to go through some hurt and some pain. But I hear Jesus saying, I'm not here so that you will suffer, but I'm here to walk with you through your sufferings, through your challenges. I'm going to help get you through to the other side. And as you get through to the other side, you're going to be stronger. You're going to be healthier. You're going to be more free.